Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Wow. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. I'm so bad with introductions. As you can tell, I never know how to start them. It's just like I get when I get going, I'm good. But in the beginning, I'm just like, what do I even say? Um, This episode is so good. Um, I've done a lot of interviews in my life, like not, not that I've done like, you know, not like I'm Barbara Walters or what was that guy's name? Larry King. <laughs> Is that, <laughs> I'm really hoping it's Larry King cause I'm trying not to over edit this, but I've done a lot of interviews from when I was a recruiter for three years to now being on the podcast um, being interviewed for jobs, being interviewed for blogs and for podcasts. I've done a lot of interviews. And this interview went so well, so seamless. Like, I really enjoyed everything about this interview. Having it, editing it, producing it, everything. It's such a good interview and it's about a topic that I'm super passionate about. As you guys know, I have anxiety and I think we all kind of have anxiety, right? We all have some, I think, baseline of it. It's like a primal thing that we're all programmed to have thanks to our ancestors, which is great. Thanks, Lucy. (laughs) Is that what the bones are called? Lucy? She's like the first you know what I'm talking about? I hope you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, we all have anxiety, some baseline of it. And it's something that I've talked about a lot on the podcast and in my blog. It's what made me start my blog because I was doing things like mindfulness and meditation to kind of help let go of my anxiety. And I feel really, really, really grateful that I had a great cognitive behavioral therapist who helped me move and really reestablish my relationship with my anxiety, redefine it, I guess, if you want to get technical or like whatever. And it's not something that I struggle with as much anymore. I still have my days where I'm super anxious. I still have my moments. I still have things that make, that cause me to be anxious. Um, starting this business was like a huge thing for me 
And I'm sure everyone has things in their lives that make them, that cause anxiety. Um, And I really, really appreciate, you guys send me emails. I've gotten DMs on Instagram that you're dealing with anxiety, you're struggling with it. And I, I totally get it. And I want there to, I mean, I'm not a doctor by any means, right? So like, I can't diagnose, I can't prescribe. I can only tell you what's worked for me and urge you to go to see your primary care physician or seek out a therapist or mental health professional who can help you in the ways that you really need to be helped. Um, But I also wanted to have a podcast episode dedicated to anxiety and really defining what it is and how do we know when it's a good time for us to reach out and seek help for anxiety, what strategies can really help us with triggers and irrational thoughts. Um, I wanted to talk about mindfulness and anxiety. I wanted to talk, I talk a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy and the way that I explain it is like, it's a rewiring of your brain and thoughts and people are like, okay, what? (laughs) Um, And I wanted to have just an entire podcast episode dedicated to that. And that is when I found someone on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is The Anxiety Healer. Her name is Allison and she is a licensed cognitive therapist And she takes a holistic approach to cognitive behavioral therapy and also is a practice of practicer, practicer, she also practices mindfulness in her practice. (laughs) That was a mouthful, sorry. Um, She lives in Lafayette, Pennsylvania, so that's where her business is and where she practices. Um, But she's really working on ways to expand and grow in into other areas of the world which I think is amazing I'm really fortunate I live in Southern California I can find a therapist that is literally five minutes away from me but if you are someone who lives I don't know in the middle of North Dakota where the closest therapist office might be an hour two three hours away from you and Allison has a mission to be able to reach those people which I think is absolutely incredible And I loved interviewing her. So I'm going to include all of her links in the show notes so you can definitely reach out and talk and comment on her stuff. Her Instagram's amazing. She's constantly on there, um, which is great because I know that she's helping so many people by doing so. I am going to include all of Allison's links in the show notes, so please make sure to swipe on up, and you can go to her, head to her Instagram. She's constantly on there. She posts almost every day, which I think is amazing, and it's all things that are relative to anxiety. She also wanted to send over some more information about cognitive distortions, which we talk about in this episode and cognitive distortions are for me they were really really important in understanding where what lenses I was seeing my anxiety through if that makes any sense hopefully it does if you don't know what a cognitive distortion is 
go to the link that's in the show notes and click on that and she's going to send you some more information. It's super helpful. I think like even when you're tracking your thoughts at looking at what those cognitive distortions are in relation to to your thoughts, especially when you have anxiety. As I said, I hope I'm not repeating myself, Um, but Allison's absolutely wonderful and I would love for you guys to check her out, especially if anxiety is something that you deal with. If you just need a quick break in the middle of the day, her Instagram is one of those places that I think you'll find a lot of comfort in. So with that being said, I'm going to stop talking now and we're going to get into this interview. All right. I will see you guys back here on Friday with another episode. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Mean it. Bye. I'm doing well. I'm still getting over my cold, so my voice sounds a little funny, and I might be clearing my throat, but <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better, so I'm doing, I'm doing good. No problem. That sounds good. You sound fine to me, so. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I know it's probably one of those things where, like, only I notice it, and, like, no one else would notice it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, Allison, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Allison Sepinera. I am a licensed professional counselor in private practice in Lafayette Hill, Pennsylvania, about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia, um, not far from where I grew up. So it's nice kind of to be around here. And um, I primarily am a specialist for anxiety disorders with women who struggle um, with some type of life transition, whether it's divorce or motherhood or some type of chronic illness or, or death in the family. Um, and then I also specialize in anxiety disorders with special needs kids um, who struggle mostly with ADHD and autism. Um, so it's really exciting because I've been in this field for probably over 15 years, but I've been doing private practice for only a couple of years now, and it's totally um, where I want to be, which I love so much. And um, so I work primarily from a cognitive behavioral perspective. And incorporating a lot of mindfulness-based tools and strategies into the work that I do. And so I'm more of like a holistic type of therapist. So I'm really excited to kind of talk a, a little bit more about, about all that too. And I am super excited about it too. And I actually reached out to Allison. I'm not even sure how I came across your profile on Instagram, um, but it happened. And so <laughs> that's when I reached yes. out to you because I saw that you were a cognitive behavioral therapist. And I, I'm super, I've been super open and honest with my audience about, I should say my community about my, I guess, I don't want to say relationship. I don't know, my anxiety, however you want to phrase that. And I'm such a huge advocate for cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of why I was like, I I want someone who can come on and really talk about it because I only know from my own perspective what I think it is and how much it's helped me. But can you tell us a little bit more, like what is cognitive behavioral therapy? Sure. Yeah, sure. So 
um, there are, you know, a, a bunch of different modalities for psychotherapists and the way that they treat clients. And one of them is cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been very, very effective in treating um, individuals with anxiety and depression, um, mostly because what we do is um, dive into um, the thought processes we have and the types of thoughts we have and what types of situations trigger the thoughts that we have. So, um, and, and once we have certain thoughts, they do affect the, our feelings and our behaviors. So a lot of it is really looking into the faulty or unhelpful ways that we think and what types of um, thought errors that we have, which essentially do cause us to either go into panic or have anxiety or even go into a type of depression. So it really is heavily focused on a lot of the thoughts that we have and how we can kind of reframe these thoughts or dispute the thoughts and recognize what kinds of situations trigger them. And we kind of delve into that and work together on kind of rewiring the brain, really. So that's exactly how I've always explained it is like it's a rewiring of your thought patterns. Yeah. Like that was, yep. Like, yep. I was like, that's the extent of my knowledge about it. And I just know that it works. So, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm so happy to hear that because I, I love, I love letting my clients know that when they do, first of all, the, the hardest part of going into therapy is even just making the call to go in the first time. Right. I mean, that's really, it's so hard to just acknowledge that maybe you need some type of support. So once you're there and we kind of have a relationship built, um, the work with, with CBT, which is short for cognitive behavioral therapy, um, is that, you know, it can be as, as much as you put into it, you get out of it, but it can be a pretty brief type of therapy. So if there's different strategies and tools that we use together, and uh, a big part of the behavioral part of that CBT is that I, I do give certain tasks and kind of homework, quote unquote, that the clients do in between sessions that they can practice outside of it. Because, you know, my goal is to essentially have you not need me anymore in therapy, right? right? <laughs> yes. To have those tools translate into your real life. So CBT is really great with, um, again, it's case by case, but a lot of times clients start feeling better fairly quickly. That was true for me. And I even told Allison this because we had like a pre-interview. I was the type of client who like would bring a notebook uh-huh. <laughs> into my yeah, sessions yeah. and like take notes. Like I was, and I'm like that with just everything in my life. Like I just take things on like such in like such a almost neurotic way um, because I was just like at a point where I was so frustrated like, I wasn't even, like, sad. I was just frustrated. I was, like, I just want to, like, have my life back. Like, I just want to do things that I used to do and, like, feel good doing them. And, like, I wasn't in that place. And so that was, like, my motivation. Like, I want to get back to, like, being able to do things or new things that I didn't think that I could do. Yes. Um, and that's why I was, like, I took the homework so seriously. And my therapist was so cool. He was, like, this isn't like, you don't have to do this. Like, I don't want you to think you can't come to your next session if you don't get this done. And I was like, no, I'm going to get this done like tomorrow. <laughs> like, yes, you don't yes. have to worry about it. So every, anytime your therapist gives you something to do, definitely try your best to get it done. Um, but I want to circle back to something you said um, in the beginning, which was basically like how can someone know you said reaching out to people to someone and asking about making that first call to a therapist is sometimes the hardest part so what are some I don't want to say signs and symptoms because that sounds so clinical but like what are some ways that people can know like hey maybe it's time that I reach out 
and talk to someone and, and start kind of working through this anxiety? So, okay, that's a great question because a lot of times people um, kind of think of symptoms and if they're not having, you know, for example, like panic attack, right? Like most people think of a panic attack looking like how it looks in the movies where you're in a paper bag breathing heavily and you're, you know, can't breathe and all that. But like panic panic attacks can look so different for everybody. Um, But as so as far as like maybe what you want to look for, the main thing that I, I talk about is how it affects your daily life. So if you're someone that is struggling um, with even getting, kind of getting in the car in the morning and um, going to a job that, you know, you've just had, you have physical symptoms, you know, there are physical symptoms obviously associated with anxiety, such as shortness of breath or sweating or, um, uh, you know, even exhaustion, like a lot of different physical symptoms. but if you're finding that your mind is racing with certain thoughts about, and, and a lot of it is related to worry feeling or mm-hmm. the fear feeling. And if you're, you're having a lot of thoughts about fear of a different type of job, you know, maybe you have a presentation or maybe things going on. Um, having lots of thoughts that are just racing in your mind about different situations is really what you want to look for. Because if it starts affecting your daily life where you're maybe avoiding situations because you're too scared to, um, try something or too scared to go into it. Um, a good example of that is maybe social anxiety disorder. Um, again, not to make it clinical, but um, a lot of times the clients I work with that have social anxiety, their, mo- their thoughts are related to um, having a big fear about being around people. And the thoughts can look different, but a lot of times they avoid situations that there are a lot of social situations with a lot of people because their thoughts are so wrapped up in the fear about what someone else might say or judgments or something like that. So kind of looking into your daily life, is there anything that you're really avoiding because you're very scared? Is there something that, um, you know, maybe with your family or your kids, something that you're seeing that there's, you're just not able to complete or you're constantly thinking about it. You know, we talk about overanalyzing or overthinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like those thoughts are just really, really loud in your head constantly, then you probably want to seek support. So I kind of describe to my clients the way that you can tell if it is sort of um, debilitating for you is I, I um, compare it to like a radio, a volume on a radio station. So if your mm. thoughts are up, if your thoughts are at like a nine or a 10 most days, a lot of the time during the day, that's pretty debilitating. I mean, even if you feel like you're getting all of your tasks done and you're just going through the motions of your day, if you constantly are having these thoughts that are at like, even like a six, a six and above, it's like, that is, that's debilitating. And that's when I would probably seek help. Now I'm such an advocate of therapy. So I see a lot of clients even like for maintenance when they're feeling like, because you never know what can happen on a daily basis. And so even if you feel like you want to just get some help, you don't feel like it's at a six, it's all such an advocate for therapy. So, but I would say that if it's really, if you feel like those thoughts are so loud and it's at a six or above, you, you want to kind of seek out some, some support and extra professional help. Yeah, absolutely. I'm such an advocate for therapy too. People, 
are always like, oh, like, I don't know. I think there's still a, like almost mm-hmm. a stigma around it. And I'm like, yep. I've been going to therapy since I was 18, not for anxiety. I went to like an MFT, which is a marriage family therapist mm-hmm. um, when my parents got divorced and it helped me so much. And then like, again, when you were saying like, oh, you know, you need to pick up the phone and call someone like I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've never been scared to, to make that step. It was just like, oh. I didn't realize how, de- I don't want to say debilitating, but I didn't realize how much my anxiety was affecting me and impacting me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it became like my normal, like it became a baseline. And that's like the scary thing. Like I didn't realize how bad it was until I started feeling better. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a new normal. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's actually similar with me too. I've struggled with anxiety um, since I was a young child and some, most of it was social situations. Um, I also have a little bit of anxiety when it comes to my health. And so, um, you know, really focusing a lot and I'll talk about this in a little bit, but um, what helped me is so much about the mindfulness piece and, and really um, becoming aware of all of the thoughts that I'm having and working with a therapist and knowing more about that. And even, you know, in my studies and everything, but um, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's so true when you say it doesn't have to look physical to actually have it be a problem. I mean, so much of a lot of the clients that I work with, actually, they live a life that you would look at and you would think, what, what's, there's something wrong with them. They look fine. They're great. You know, they're living their life. They have friends. They come from a good family and there's a lot of internalizing. And so a lot of times, you know, some, there's, this stigma again when you talk about feeling sort of like a weakness if you're talking about your feelings or you're admitting something's wrong with you it's almost it's almost um, hard to do that for a lot of people absolutely so that's why I say I think people who have anxiety they're so brave they're so like it's a certain level of of strength and courage that you have to have to like I don't want to say fight because I feel like that's just like almost making the problem worse but like to even just get through like certain days like just like realizing like the fact that you're breathing right now is like such a huge accomplishment and that you're getting through a day is such a huge accomplishment um and that should be recognized and I think if you're not you know open and honest with the people around you that you do that you are not that you need other people to validate how you're feeling but like just be like, hey, I'm having a tough day today and figuring out how they can, how you can support yourself and how they can support you is so helpful. Oh my gosh, so much. You are so correct about that. I, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a support system. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so many, so many of the, the clients that I see, um, they do, they just internalize so much and they feel like they don't want to put a burden on and they think they're a burden. They're not, but they think they're a burden for talking about their feelings and their anxious thoughts with other people. But you know, you only need like a support system of those really, really trusted types of people, maybe like two or three of them. And and if you can at least have even one person, you know, you can reach out to when you feel like you're getting to a point that um, you know you, you need to talk to somebody about certain feelings, then you have to reach out to them, and that, that is so important—a support system for sure. Right. And anyone who has had, and anyone who's had anxiety 
or depression can know knows that it's like your first instinct is to almost isolate yourself and like to shut Mm -hmm. down and like go internal and just like curl up in a little ball and it's gonna take so much out of you to like do the opposite of that and to reach out and to to make plans and to schedule things so that you are kind of getting outside of that 100 percent, and that's great with depression as well Right. So the, yeah, the isolation piece is huge. And, and that can happen a little bit more with people that have certain phobias um, because a lot of the phobias are, are, you know, there's thoughts related that are very intrusive thoughts that they have that are related to these specific things that they fear. And so, um, you know, if you feel like you're someone listening to this who has a phobia of, it can be either of, you know, driving or, you know, there's all different types um, or getting out of your house or germ or something like that, then you definitely want to try and get some support and extra um, professional help for sure. Absolutely. And you, you brought up mindfulness. So yes. I want to circle, <laughs> I want to circle back to mindfulness really quick. I love mindfulness. That's kind of what started my entire blog um, is because that was one of the first things that I turned to when I started having anxiety. I read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, oh, yeah. Such a good book. And that really just like turned me on to this entire thing. So can you explain how, I guess, one, explain what mindfulness is and then two, explain, and maybe this will be like one answer, but how mindfulness actually helps anxiety. Sure. Okay. So Mindfulness is basically a state of non-judgmental awareness of what's happening in the present moment. So that's including the awareness of your own thoughts, your own feelings, and kind of the senses of what's going on with you. So essentially, why mindfulness is so beneficial for people with anxiety is because, when I, again, I talk a lot about the thoughts that we have that influence our feelings, right? So if we're having intrusive thoughts that um, are creating feelings of worry or anxiety, all, I will say all the time, I say most of the times, but now I'm recognizing that all the times our anxious thoughts that we have have either to do with the past or have to do with the future. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, like those what if thoughts, if you have a lot of what if thoughts, that's always about like the future. What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if, so I have anxiety when it comes to flying. A lot of my what if thoughts are like, oh my gosh, what if there's a, what if we, there's a crash, you know, what if we crash? I don't have control over any of that. Control is another huge piece which I can talk about later, but, um, you know, what if that doesn't happen? What if this doesn't? So that's like a lot of, a lot of thoughts that we have that cause anxiety have to do with the future. And also the ones that have to do with the past. Like, why did I do this? Why didn't I do this? What if I, Oh, another one. What if I, what if I had done this differently? So I guess what if can be for all of them, but the importance of mindfulness and what it does is it really just helps us, helps us be aware of what's happening in the present time. So most of the times when we have thoughts and in the moments when we're in, we're safe. Like we are safe in that moment, right then. We are there, we're safe with our feelings and our thoughts and what we're telling ourselves many times are not true. So all of those what if and different thoughts that we have about the past and the future, we know that all the thoughts that we have about the past and future are not true because first of all, we can't control what happens in the future. We have no idea. We can't like predict it, right? And um, that's actually one of the biggest thought errors that a lot of people have is um, something called mind reading. So basically, you, you're concluding that you know either someone or something is reacting reacting negatively to you, and um, you know something is maybe you know predicting something's going to happen, but 
you can't do that. So is that um, like is that like a cognitive distortion? Exactly. Yes, that's something called a cognitive distortion. There's okay. about there's about like ten of them that are um, more like I want to say popular, but more common um, that that people struggle with. But there's up to about fifteen or twenty distortions that we have, and essentially what they are is thought errors. And so mind reading is one of them because you cannot predict the future. So that is actually, and all the thoughts you have about those are not true. So like when you, when you have them, and again, mindfulness is a lot about being aware. So a lot of this work might be confusing as I talk about it, but when you see the right cognitive behavioral therapist, this work, you know, even though you might feel better quickly, it still takes a lot of practice. So you might have to go for a little while. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I No, 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 you're fine. I remember one of the things um, that really helped me was like, I always had like a weird thing. I mean, I still kind of do with like grocery stores. I don't know why. I think I had my first panic attack in a grocery store and that just like caused some serious like PTSD. Um, But I remember like talking it out with my therapist and it was like, it wasn't necessarily like the grocery store that was causing me anxiety it was like the fear of like again the future like thinking too far ahead it was like I was more scared of having a panic attack or anxiety attack or having anxiety than I was the actual place and so that was like a huge shift for me because I was like oh like if I can recognize and be mindful of my anxiety it's not necessarily like the place or the situation it's just the anxiety for sure and so that kind of like that that split that shift however you want to call it like was so so empowering for me oh that's so awesome and I mean that that is that that's a huge thing is that shift and I I do want to mention that I completely just made a mistake that I meant to say fortune telling was the one that is was the cognitive distortion that is most common mind reading is another one but I meant to say fortune telling, which I was talking about. So I right. apologize. Right. And I, my therapist had given me like a whole thing, a whole like worksheet. I wish I would have found it. I don't know. I actually, ha- I was going to say I have, I can send you or post it somewhere. I'm not sure. I have a lot of stuff on my Instagram about that, but um, I 100% can send you or, or if you want to put a link, I, I have them all. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find a link or something, and I'll put that in the episode description. Sure, um, okay. And I'll put that in like the 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 little recording that I do in the beginning. That there's some tools and resources. Um, yeah, great, great. So, did we explain what a cognitive distortion is? I know we talked like a little bit about it, but I, for some people that might be like a totally new word. It was for me, <laughs> right. So is there like a little synopsis you can give us about cognitive distortions? Right. So it's essentially, if you think about, um, think about the thoughts again and the beliefs that we have um, about certain situations or um, I would say just triggers, right? Basically they're irrational thoughts. So what that means is, is most times when you're in situations that create anxiety for you, the thoughts that you have, what these distortions are, you can kind of label the thought that you have with these distortions and recognize that they're irrational. And most, most of the times what I do with my clients is we really actually write these, they have, we have thought logs and we Mm -hmm. actually write our (laughs) thoughts down. And I I don't know if you did this. I did. 
and it's so yeah. I kind of okay my way I deal with humor like I do humor yeah, I would that's like good. laugh I would laugh hysterically I'm like are you kidding me Brianna that's my I go my real name's Brianna but I would be like are you freaking kidding me like this is like what you're scared of <laughs> right that's amazing good for you yeah that's I mean humor is great humor is great and and it's actually there's a lot of people that use that because it's, it's interesting. You have it so much that you have these thoughts going on in your mind, but when you actually are writing some of them down and it's you, embarrassing. You can, <laughs> you can, oh my, well, it's actually truthful, which is right. so, so brave, you know, to really recognize that what the heck is this? And a lot of times something that helps with my clients is I have them name their anxiety. So I don't want them to name it something like bad about themselves because self-love is a huge thing that I am an advocate for too. And I work right. a lot on, on self-love and self-worth that I, I have them name their anxiety. So one of my clients just, you know, decided she was going to name, name the anxiety, just like a letter. She just picked like a letter that was, that was meaningful or something. And she's now Miss whatever, you know, Miss S or something. And that's the anxiety. So she actually can talk back to something. She's talking back. And again, if you're thinking about me, you know, telling people to talk back in the middle of a grocery store out loud, you know, people are going to look at you. <laughs> you're not right. going to, you know, you, you can do this internally. You can actually quietly in, 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 to yourself, just talk back to it and say, okay, Miss S, this, you know, Mr. S, Miss S, whatever. This is a, this is a, a you know, um, fortune, you're fortune telling right now. This thought is not true. Right now, in this moment in the grocery store, I'm okay. I'm going to go and, and step by step, I'm here right now. I'm going to go get my pasta and I'm fine. I'm going to keep breathing. Breathing is another tool that, um, you know, I, I will say is so important, mostly because when you're, um, when you're faced with a, a situation that, um, you know, brings up these anxious thoughts and maybe turns your, again, turns your thoughts up to a nine your um, sympathetic nervous system is what's going to activate. And that's essentially your fight or flight system within you. And which is actually good to have, like we're programmed to have that as humans because it protects us. Right. We need it. So, you know, if you're out in the forest and you see a bear, that, that quote unquote anxiety, but that, that protection is going to like help you, right. To know what you're going to do with that bear. You're not going to go up and feed it right? You're going to, I would hope not <laughs> right away. Right. You're going to do, and that's, that's where to tell you that. So breathing is something in those moments that's so important because it actually calms the sympathetic nervous system. And so there's all types of breathing that are amazing. Um, you know, just for the sake of time, I won't get too much into it, but, um, I would encourage anyone listening to Google alternate nostril breathing. I actually have um, a video of it on my website. If you want to go view it, it's awesome. It's alisonsepanarin.com. And there's about six or seven different breathing video breathing techniques that are amazing for mindfulness and to really calm the sympathetic nervous system. So check that out. But breathing- I- I'm so, okay, there's so many, it's so funny because you talked about like two things. I just did a podcast episode that was posted um, my on fr- last Friday and I talked about breathing exercises and I talked about self-talk and I also wrote, I mean, you're probably, yours is probably much better than mine. I did a, a blog post about breathing exercises and the one that worked for me was the box breathing, the 444. Oh, yes. But, oh, awesome. <laughs> but I have like a thing about 
holding my breath like that causes me like panic attack instantly if I'm like if I feel restricted in some way would not do that then (laughs) well no my therapist my therapist was like so we're gonna try some breathing exercises and I was like and no we're not (laughs) it took me like I could do it like I did like I I started with the with a three count and then I worked my way up to four Um, because yeah breathing exercises are super super valuable and also the self-talk like I call it self-talk but the way Mm -hmm. that you explained it was much better for me it was like about validating my emotions so like when I was having anxiety I'd be like it's okay to feel this way. And like the second that I like leaned into it and was like, I know I don't want to feel this way. I'm uncomfortable, but this is going to pass and it's okay to feel this way. Like just that thought alone would like, I got to a point where like, almost like training, like again, training your brain or rewiring your brain that would like instantly calm me down that like I had to learn to trust myself enough to be like, it's okay to feel this way. And I would just like keep repeating that to myself until I got to a point where I was like, okay. That's awesome. And that is so true. You want to have, you want to have, again, in the work that, that you do with cognitive therapy, um, once you're able to kind of identify the irrational thoughts, you want to dispute them with thoughts that are, are more rational and more true. And sometimes it can be, it can look like what you just said, like, I'm safe in this moment. I will be okay. This is temporary. Some of those statements, those rational statements, some of them are are positive. Most of them are positive, but more, more, more likely they're just true statements that Mm -hmm. you will, we will move through it and it's temporary. And so being able to kind of memorize two or three of those statements that, you know, whenever you're starting to feel like you're getting to a five or a six that you can tell yourself that's what's going to keep you from getting to a nine. Yeah, it's like an anchoring type of feeling for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I mean, those are great, great. um, but But you found out what worked for you. Which right. Awesome. And that's, and that's the thing. I did this with a therapist. Like I didn't yeah. just discover this on my own, right. you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why we're having this conversation. Cause I get emails all the time. I know a huge um, part of my com- they, community, they also deal with anxiety and, and, and depression. And I was like, I need to like have someone on the podcast who can really speak to these things. Aww, um, yeah. But other than we talked about mindfulness, we talked about breathing, we talked about the self-talk, what other strategies can really help us with triggers or irrational thoughts? So there's one, there's two actually. One that is my favorite that I do in session all the time is something called the five senses. Mm, I'm not sure if you've ever. It's Brie. Are you loving this episode? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to Instagram and tag me with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any course, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingfreely.com or check out the episode description. And also, if you're really loving this episode, it would mean so much if you took time to copy the link of this episode and send it to a friend who might also enjoy it or find it valuable. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Let's get back into it. Experience. Okay. So basically in this moment, in the moment, it, it's a home on mindfulness grounding um, tool because 
again, you want to use this when you feel like you're getting to like a, five, a four or five. You want to try and do this before you're getting up towards the higher numbers when you're feeling like maybe you're in like a panicky, you know, thought spiral, right? You want to try and catch that before you get there. And this is when it really works. So basically you're making a conscious effort to notice the present moment through each of your senses. So you're going to look around and look for five things that you see. And you can really do this anywhere you are, which I love. I think that's why I love it the most. You can basically do this anywhere you are and no one needs to know that you're doing this. So, um, cause a lot of times I, I only say that because a lot of times people that I work with, um, they get a little nervous that other people might see. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But um, <laughs> I know exactly so, where you're going with this. You know that's what so I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so okay, you're gonna see. You're gonna look around and look at five things that you see, um, and then you're gonna and you're gonna be very descriptive. You're gonna look at the shape. You're gonna look at the color, and you're gonna just describe what you see. Five things. After that, you're gonna. Um, look for four things that you can feel around you. Like if you're sitting on a chair, what does it feel like? Again, be very descriptive. Um, if you're wearing a nice sweater, you know, what's the sweater feel like? So describe it very well. Four things. Then you're going to think of four things that you can hear in that moment. So where are you? Are you in your bedroom? Or um, are you, uh, let's think grocery store, right? You're at, you're at the grocery store. What are you hearing? Do you hear other people talk? Do you hear the cash register? Um, are people, you know, is the guy cutting meat in the back? You can, when you really use that sense of hearing, you can hear a lot of things. So you want to think of at least three. And then one thing that you can taste is your toothpaste. What do you taste? And then one thing, or I'm sorry, two things that you taste. And then one thing that you smell. Like, what can you smell around you? So you're using your five senses to really bring yourself back into the moment where you are right that second. So powerful. I love, love that one. I, I, know, I, I need to get better about using that one um, because usually I'm like, I, I kind of know my thoughts like when I'm walking into like something, when I like my thoughts literally walk me into something that's going to cause me anxiety. So I kind of like yep. already know, well, you have to know your triggers too. I think that's like another sure. big thing. Oh yeah. That's like I 100%. Yeah. And that's a whole, um, you know, sometimes that's a, a couple sessions, even just recognizing what are triggers for people. Sometimes it's hard to, to know exactly what they are, but by processing, and that's why it's so important that you can talk about it openly because sometimes you don't even know something's a trigger. And then when you're able to talk about it with someone like a professional therapist, then it kind of, you, you start to recognize that, wow, that, it's is, a pattern. that is something. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, one other, one other tool that I love so much is a breathing tool. So it's belly breathing. Mm. And, and uh, sometimes people, um, sometimes people think of breathing as, you know, like the number breathing. I like that, that the square one you do or, is also amazing but if you can do that when you at the same time as recognizing your belly breathing through your belly because a lot of times people breathe through their chest and that's not actually what a deep breath is yeah it tricks your body into thinking you're hyperventilating yes for sure exactly (laughs) yes so if you've ever done any kind of yoga training too they'll teach you belly breathing that is why yoga is one of my favorite strategies or I mean, it's actually a practice. I mean, yoga is something that just people should 
and and here's a, here's another thing about these. Um, you all of the tools that I'm I'm suggesting and that maybe you would find from a professional should be practiced when you're not even feeling anxious. Right. Like practice mindfulness when you're feeling good. Practice the five senses when you're at a two. Practice the belly breathing and the alternate all the breathing when you're feeling good. Or go to a yoga class when you're feeling like not anxious at all. You know, it's so important to get in the habit of doing these things. And once you're able to get in the habit, then it just comes naturally to you when you feel like you are getting to a five or a six. Totally. Well, that's the thing too. I think like I, the podcast that I was just mentioning that I recorded last Friday, I'll include the link in the description for you guys. Um, I was talking to a really good friend and she always calls me when she's feeling super anxious. And I love that, you know, um, and she's working through it. She decided to go with using medication, which is totally her choice. Mm -hmm. Um, and good for her. That's what she want to do. I'm always supportive of that. But I think the side effect of her anxiety medication is now she's, like, feeling really depressed. Like, she just can't get in, like, a good, like, equilibrium. And so she called me, and she was like, I'm feeling really bad right now. And I was like, okay, like, what's one thing you can do today that's, like, going to just make you feel a little bit better? And she didn't have anything that she could do. Like, she just wasn't – she didn't have – that like, I don't want to call them coping skills. Again, that sounds so clinical, but like anything that she could do to kind of make herself feel better. And a lot of these things that that we're talking about, like they're not, it's not new. Like this is not some like groundbreaking technology or like hack or anything. It's really like these little things add up to the big things so it's like exactly what you were saying like even when you're feeling good still practice this even when you're doing you know really well you know look at your check your belly breathing or do a mindfulness exercise like those types of things like that's been so critical for me is like even when I'm feeling good I still have to do these tiny things that I know for myself like if I don't do them then I'm playing with fire almost and so I know I kind of was like, you uh, told her, I was like, I love her to death. I'm like, you need to find some things that you can do on a daily basis to help you instead of getting to this point and then not knowing how to help yourself. I, that's amazing. You sound like a great friend. <laughs> I love great support. Yeah. Which I, this is going to bring me to my last question. So one of the things sometimes I think is really difficult is for like loved ones or family members who maybe don't have anxiety or have never felt depressed. Like how do you, how can they support yeah. their loved ones? Well, well, so it's interesting because there's a very high percentage of um, people who have family members, who have anxiety, who have family members that also have anxiety. So I wouldn't be surprised if people listening that, that are struggling with it also have family members or that, that kind of they know are also struggling, um, but may not be showing it. So who knows? Um, but I, I think that it's so important because we're, you know, we're talking about stigma a little bit more and how it's, it's hard to acknowledge when maybe you have a problem or, you know, you need help with something mental health related. And I think the biggest thing that you can do is, is just really go to somebody that, you know, I I would say even just to be open, you don't even know maybe if they're struggling or not or not, but just listen to somebody with, with no judgment, 
validate how they're feeling, encourage them to actually talk about their feelings and let them know it's okay that you're not going to judge them. You can even use those words like, I'm, you're safe with me. I'm not judging you for anything. I, we all experience some type of, you know, um, emo- we all experience emotions. We all are sad. We're all, I mean, everybody gets sad. Everybody gets scared. Everybody, right. um, you know, gets worried. Everybody has emotions, you know, but, and so acknowledging that, that they're not alone in it, I think is huge, which is probably why I love the Instagram platform because I've been able to help people with just my, you know, educating a little bit more about about anxiety, but also helping them feel like they're not alone from like all over the world. And I love yes. that. To people that might not have the resources to even know, you know, that we have fortunately in the U.S. to even know that there is help and that they're not alone and that, you know, all their feelings are valid and everything they're struggling with is valid. So just making sure you can recognize that as a support, you want to, you know, you're, they're not alone and that you're there for them and that there's no judgment with what they're going through. I think can be so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think having, again, I think having a support system is so, is so almost undervalued, if that's the right word, um, to make you feel like you're not alone in whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, and to know that like other people experience these things. Cause again, I think it has to do with that, like wanting to isolate and wanting to be alone or not communicate or at all it's just it makes you feel like oh I'm the only one dealing with something like this and it's like no there's millions of people all around the world who feel the exact same way that you do and and let's be honest like human like we are all driven by human connection I mean if you think about it yes. <laughs> and our, our, you know our purpose in this world is driven by human connection. I mean, that is the most important thing that you can have. And so, I mean, I would say if you're listening to this and you just feel like, you know, you're just isolating or that's kind of where you feel the safest, you need to kind of get out and you need to be around. You need to, even if it's one person, you need to call somebody because people can't read your mind. Oh yeah. I know for myself, I do not do well. Like I need connection that's how I am too my energy will like literally my energy will shift to like where I'm exhausted if I'm not around other people it's like the weirdest thing so you're a true extrovert then yes true true I'm very I'm I'm an only child so I'm kind of used to being like I think my nature is very independent and I do like my alone time like I reach like I get energy by being around other people but then I recharge like by myself if that makes sense okay yeah 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 so I need like I need to have alone time or else I'll go (laughs) a little bit crazy Um, like when I went to Europe with four girls like that did not do (laughs) was not a good situation because I couldn't like I couldn't ever be truly alone because I was like I had to be with other people Um, but those are things that you just have you you have to learn about yourself and I think I mean so like I was telling a friend about this, like, as much as, like, anxiety was really difficult and painful, it, like, brought so many beautiful things into my life. Like, the blog, and then from the blog came, like, the courses, and from the courses came the coaching, and then the podcast, and, like, then I got to meet all of these amazing women, and, like, that to me, like, was, it almost, I don't want to say it became worth it, but that's, like, really how I feel. Like, it was, it just brought a lot more, 
good into my life than I could have ever realized. And it made me so empathetic as well. Oh, that's so great. That's how I feel too. I, I think it's, it's, I'm at a point where I feel like this is, this is my purpose. This is mm-hmm. my purpose. I've struggled with anxiety. So many people have. My purpose is to help other people recognize that either they struggle with it or not, that they're not alone, but that we're all in this together, kind of, and that we're all healing from, we're healing every single day, which is why, um, you know, my handle, the anxiety healer on Instagram, because we're all, we're all healing from it. And, you know, one thing I do want to point out is you can't really, um, quote unquote, cure anxiety or mental disorders. There's, but you can manage that. Yes. So, so that's important to know. There's no magic pill as much as anyone wants to tell you. And I'm totally an advocate for medication. Do not get me wrong. Right. But nothing is going to take away those thoughts. Nothing is going to make them go away. You can quiet them down, but they will, you know, you have to manage them. Right. Well, exactly what you were saying, like with anxiety, it's a primal thing. Like it's here to protect us. And I think like, and I think intellectually, a lot of us get that, right? Like, okay, yeah, flight or flight, run away from bears and like tigers. Like I get that. But like right now I'm in line at an airport and I'm freaking out about getting on a plane. That doesn't really help me. So I think you have to like intellectually understand things and then also connect that emotionally. And I think that that is why things like cognitive behavioral therapy are so important to like make that connection as well. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, so true. So I'm going to include all of Allison's links in the episode description. So if you're on iTunes, you can just swipe on up and you'll be able to find all of the links to her Instagram, which she has. I love your Instagram. It's so helpful. (laughs) And also your website and all of the other links. We're going to look and and we're going to discuss some um, resources to to include down there. So that way maybe you guys can learn a little bit more about cognitive distortions and the services that Allison um, has for you guys. So is there anything else? Am I missing anything? I don't think so, but if you don't, if you don't mind, I would like to mention one thing that I've actually started um, rolling out in the last month that might be really helpful for Go people for who are, are not in Pennsylvania because I am licensed in Pennsylvania, and so um, that is really where I can only provide therapy um, in my private practice um, for you know licensing reasons. But um, from people that have been contacting me for throughout the U.S. and and throughout the world. Um, I am providing now healing sessions for, um, they're actually online healing sessions for anxiety. It's not therapy, um, but it is more um, goal-oriented, strategic type of healing sessions that focus a lot on the tools that that may be really helpful for some people that might be struggling with um, with some some type of stress or over, overwhelming feelings. Um, again, it's not necessarily... I'm not diagnosing anything. I'm not calling it therapy, but, um, you know, it is, I I do love educating everybody and really just, um, teaching people how they can, can really implement these practices into their daily life. And so I want to reach more people than Pennsylvania. So I kind of decided to, um, use the online platform to help, um, you know, with certain online sessions that are more, a little bit like coaching, but I call them healing sessions. Um, and you can kind of, you can find that on my website too. So I just wanted to mention that. 
amazing. I love that. And I know I just love, love all the work that you're doing because it's like about servicing more people and like what you said, more, more people outside of just your community. But yeah. I think Instagram and social media really gives us the power to reach people all around the world that like really do need to hear your message. Right, right, great. Yes, I agree. And thank you so much. It's been so fun so far. And I just can't wait to see where it can go and how I can help heal other people too struggling with this. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for all you do. Your podcasts are amazing and all the work you do is amazing too. I'm so excited to have collaborated with you and hopefully there's more in the future. Absolutely.